This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Casual Friday. I am Sean for W. Glad to be joining you today. And I'm joined, as I am every single week, by my partners in crime, XJ and Mensa. And today's episode, you're about to hear us, along with GMAC, throw feces at each other for an hour and 15 minutes because we are discussing the complicated legacy of Carmelo Anthony. And let's just say there was a bit of a divide. Um, GMAC thinks that the, 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 the division is along one aspect. I think it's on the other aspect. But um, you're hearing this. We're actually recording this after the episode. So I'm going to throw to each of them to describe what how they what how they thought the episode went and what you should expect to hear of Crow over the next hour, 15, hour, 20. I'll start with Mensa. I think that went great. I think that was awesome. It was cathartic. We, you know, I don't know. I had a long week at work. It was nice to come on here and be angry for a little while. Um, yeah, but it, I mean, I think at the end, we all we agree on the same things. It's just we look at, you know, we, I guess, appreciate the the facts differently is all it is. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was great. I had a great time. And I got a little, of course, I got a little mile on agenda off. But and no, it wasn't the RJ Barrett agenda. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it went great for sure. Yeah, I think everyone's going to love the conversation. It was definitely, it was definitely a little, a little heated, but uh, it definitely enjoyable, super fun to listen to everyone's perspective here. I mean, you know, my perspective is probably always going to come from like the player, like data driven side, but also got into a little bit of the historical context. And um, yeah, it's just really great to hear everyone's perspective and be able to like just disagree about it like very openly. And I think that people will enjoy it. And we still disagree about it because y'all are wildin' mellow forever. Let's get to the episode. So go ahead and start. I mean, Mr. You're the one that (laughs) wanted to be upset about. Wait, wait, actually, you you pitched this. No, I didn't want to be this as like my take on mellow is different than everybody's. You did say that. You did say that, Sean. I noticed in your. You because I made the social clip, the social thing for Instagram that your tribute to Mello was like, Thank you for Syracuse and wow. nothing else professional related. And, he, and you wore that, you wore this, it's not unintentional. It's not unintentional. <laughs> so, why don't you start? I mean, look, I said, <laughs> All right, I was watching John when I was watching John's post game. Talking to your mic. I was getting my. I was getting Sorry. my phone. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was getting this. I'm plugging my phone in. Keep fair all enough, this in. It's all staying in. Don't worry. All right. Um. During John's emergency live stream. Uh, I left a super chat that said that like his comp his legacy is complicated as anyone's is for a New York athlete. 
And I'm glad John agreed with me. And no, John and I, we have been on the other side of the slow down Spartacus, um, you know, train when it comes to Mellow. Like, and, mm-hmm. and the funny thing is, while while watching it, all these thoughts that are popping in my head, and I was like, man, I would love to share these thoughts somewhere. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm actually on a podcast once a week. So mm-hmm. I started taking notes. So and, I started then, taking notes. Then you went I to the group chat and said, like, Mr. Claudia. Well, then you sent in a super chat and yes. said hint hint. I was like, all right, I'm I I'll put on my I, fire equipment because I want the smoke. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I donated two dollars for a production meeting. Yes. <laughs> Live Quite literally. Yes. And I just wrote down for those who are watching, oh, wow. those who are not watching, I wrote down notes. And I was like, every time John would say something, I I would trigger something, and I just started like writing down, like, hmm, 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 hmm. All right. Well, hmm. I, I will. So we'll, we'll make sure we bounce start? around at the very beginning. Go ahead. All right. Make sure right. we bounce around. We'll but we'll Sean, the floor is yours. Okay. Here's where we'll start. You said in response to my super chat, and I think it was a very um, astute observation that there are two types of Knicks fans. There's the Yankee Knicks fan and the Mets Knicks fan and the Yankee Knicks fan like me and XJ. We bring different levels of expectations than you and Mensa who are Mets Knicks fans. I act so while that makes sense, there's also another divide when it comes to Knicks fans. There's Knicks fans of the 20th century and Knicks fans of the 21st century. And I am a Knicks fan of the 20th century. Like the like not obviously not the majority, but like I started watching like I started watching this team in 92. So yes, while that team never won a title. My level of expectation for the Knicks is more often than not, you should make the playoffs by rolling out of bed. And my memories of those 90s Knicks teams, if my top 10 moments of the 90s Knicks teams, I think one of them is a regular season moment. Mm. Maybe two. Like and the one for me is when we beat the ninety six Bulls one hundred four seventy two on a Sunday after on a Sunday afternoon on NBC at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um. So when we start the emergency live stream, and the highlight is regular <laughs> is season Easter, moment is a regular season game on Easter. Then was like, oh my god, remember where you were for the Eastern game? I'm like. What are we doing here? Like, can we like, yes, I understand we are the Knicks. But then again, I'm a 90s Knicks fan. We are the Knicks. So mm. while I have all the respect in the world for Carmelo Anthony as one, some who chose New York when a lot of people didn't want to smoke. I'm not going to say any names. And he gave his all and he wanted to be here and he was starting MVP. and. He was part of making New York basketball relevant again. There is a deification of of the Carmelo Anthony era from some, not all, some that I push back on. And where I think we're going to end up throwing food at each other is when the discussion around, well, Mel didn't win. And the pushback is, well, 
the team he had wasn't the best. Like you said, who should he pass it to? And my pushback, and which is what I get food thrown at me, is I think the level, the, um, the, the amount of culpability on Carmelo Anthony in that inability to build a team it's not 90% or 80%. Anyone says it's all his fault. That's just absurd. But that level of culpability seems to be ignored when discussing his career. As my son calls me on his iPad, he's right over there. Yeah, he's so, mad at you too. He wants he wants I, to point out how wrong you are as well. I got more notes, but I'll stop there. Mensa, do you, you hear what he said, right? Like no regular season memories. You know what that sounds like? Yeah. What does that sound? Oh, so so Met fans, you're so excited about Francisco Alvarez's pop or this this random five game winning streak. Enjoy enjoy your World Series sometime in May. By the way, there's levels to this, as some arrogant Yankee fans like to say. <laughs> yeah. We have one one such arrogant Yankee fan in our group chat, but mm-hmm. that is we he <laughs> many shall such remain. arrogant yeah. many such <laughs> no, many clarify. such. Don't worry, <laughs> we, I we, they shall they shall remain nameless. You admire um, them though, <laughs> but I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Metza. Go ahead, Metza. But I do want to like. So, what are we talking about? Are we talking about should like is this the should Carmelo Anthony's jersey be retired discussion, or is this like a referendum? on his legacy because I'm not I'm not sure what we're talking about right now because Carmelo Anthony to me is an American hero. What is that? Four four Olympic gold medals? Three, if I'm not three. mistaken, three. Three Olympic gold medals, right? Well, he was on the 2020 team, right? No. No, there was no 2020 Olympics, obviously. Uh, <laughs> bad on me. Um there was. It was just in 2021. It was in 2021. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I'm good. Yeah. Um he won a what won a chip as a freshman at Syracuse who has done squat <laughs> since he's left <laughs> like done, done literally squat since Defi- he's left. wait 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 define squat what have they won since Carmelo Anthony left a couple two, big east tournaments <laughs> two final four Sean is that it three three final actually fours. yes so and, and now we're gonna yeah, well, don't listen because I I spend <laughs> So much time, whatever. Continue, Mensa. Mm-hmm. Came to the New York Knicks when literally nobody wanted to come to the New York Knicks. Put that jersey on, made us relevant. Everybody talks about the Easter moment and the bang against the Bulls and everything. But my personal favorite moment of Carmelo Anthony is when he scored 42 points and Jared Jeffries had an all-time sellout under the basket. Out, oh, my goodness. I think it was Tony Douglas, um, Bill Walker. Jared Jeffries, Roni mm-hmm. Turiaf, like, like listen to those names. And Carmelo Anthony went into Boston and fought like hell. We didn't win that game, of course. Wait, did, no, we didn't win. No, that was game. Jared Jeffries sold the Jared us the Jeff- hell out. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it was a Jared Jeffries game. Carmelo Anthony as a New York Nick absolutely deserves to be celebrated. Does he deserve to be celebrated on the level of a guy like Ewing or even Starks and Oakley? No, nobody's saying that because there are again there are levels to the way we should celebrate this guy. But Carmelo Anthony is our guy. And I feel like there's always been this like insufferability in our fan base where nobody's good enough. You know, like you come here and you're not good enough. And don't worry, because I got some smoke for some people who never mind. We'll get to that when we get to that. But. Yeah, he wasn't perfect. 
So what? He was ours. Yeah, he wasn't LeBron James or Kevin Durant in an era when LeBron James and Kevin Durant were in their prime. So what? Whenever he went head to head with those guys, he gave them their all. This guy, Carmelo Anthony, that we had who came here and played for seven seasons for us was sensational. The latter half of it was the latter half of it. And that's because, again, he chose to come to the Knicks when the Knicks were in their prime foolishness. We can't hold. We cannot hold. Too much again. Okay, so Carmelo. Anthony Wait, we, are rap. you saying we can't blame Carmelo Anthony for deciding? No, to join I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I what mean, I'm saying is, like, listen, listen to this. We have more smoke for Carmelo Anthony. Like, he's the villain. You know who the real villain of that era is? Amari Stoudemire, mm. who in a layup line decides to do a highlight dunk and has a back spasm, or the following season is so mad that heat culture is in his head that he punches a fire extinguisher and gets himself taken out of the series. That's the villain. If, if, if Amari Stoudemire didn't sell Carmelo Anthony out because of his emotions, we would have a different opinion on Carmelo Anthony today. He is a victim of circumstance. That is absolutely true. How much you want to, how much you want to level the victimization is up to you, but you cannot say that Carmelo Anthony came into a situation that he didn't breathe life into and that everybody around him tried to suck the life out of. And that's just, and I feel like we have to have that caveat when we're having the Carmelo Anthony discussion because he, as a basketball player, no, he wasn't this life-changing savior. I don't think anybody expected him to be that. Or if you did, you learned pretty quickly, he wasn't going to be a life, a life-changing savior, but he was a superstar and he was our superstar. And I feel like just because he wasn't, and, and then all the narratives that were happening at the time. Oh, Carmelo Anthony's not better than Blake Griffin. History says you're wrong. Mm. Or, oh, Carmelo Anthony's not better than Kevin Love. History disagrees with you, too. All the narratives that we had against Carmelo Anthony, as Carmelo has, has what I want to say is he has lasted the test of time where other people have not. And, be, and we remember him for everybody that he wasn't better than in the moment. But when we look back at it, you'd sound stupid if you said that, oh, Blake Griffin had a better career than Carmelo Anthony, yada, 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 wind shares, yada, 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 a whole bunch of nonsense. Like, let's let's be proud that this guy came to us when we were nobodies and started to roll, started to get us back into the feeling of what it was like to be proud of your basketball team. Because for a while there, we couldn't be proud. And Melo brought pride back to New York. Hell yeah. yeah. XJ. I, I, I just want to clarify one thing because we're, you know, this is very important. We're gaslighting Amari Stoudemire saying he punched a fire extinguisher. He would never do such a thing. He punched <laughs> the glass, the glass <laughs> encasing the fire extinguisher. So that's an important point of clarification. Um, so that's number one. And number two, I am starting to see this divide between the Yankees. Knicks Thank fans you. It's a Yankee Knicks Mets fan and a Met Knicks fan. Yes. <laughs> because all everything that Mensa said, like I agree with, but I don't, I wouldn't say it with such a sense of pride <laughs> attached to it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, fair enough. I, <laughs> I agree with Bro, it. In can theory. I, can I, I have to jump in real quick because <laughs> this ahead, has been my ahead, point for like a year now when discussing the difference between like the two different types of Knicks fans that exist. Like every out of town podcast that I've done, like obviously this year with the pregame pod, it's been different, but like, when I've talked on other like radio hits right? and they've been like, how, how do you have like so many teams there? And it's like, well, we're all Knicks fans. And that's what <laughs> makes it so interesting is that like 
when you're a Met Jet Nick fan, you like you you appreciate good when it happens because you don't know how often it's going to happen. And when you're a Yankee Giant Nick fan, damn it, we need to win the thing of the whole every year. If we miss the playoffs, it's the disappointment. The mediocrity is not good enough. Good <laughs> is not good enough. Very good is not good enough. Twenty seven rings, gabagoo, kiss the rings on while you're at it. Okay, you're better off rooting for the Miami Heat as far as that's concerned. So I look at the divide and it's playing out perfectly right now. Continue XJ. No, I, I appreciate you jumping in to add that comment. It's very important commentary because it's totally consistent with what, how I'm viewing this, hearing the conversation so far, because I agree with both Sean and Mensa. I agreed with everything Mensa said, but I'm just like, Mensa is like swelling with pride when he says it. And I'm more like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. Yeah. Cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> pride is in the fact that, this guy came to a place that was it was dead. There was there were no there were no plants in the garden. And he said, you know what? I don't care about that. The name on the front of the jersey matters a lot to me. Of course, the name on the back of the jersey and the paycheck he was getting mattered. I was going to say, it didn't matter that. enough that he could just come here in free agency. Um, <laughs> it, it mattered. Just, all that, my I texted. Let's that I talk about it. We can talk about it. We can talk about it. I, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just to put a pin in that. I want to say, what? Carmelo, obviously, an excellent, excellent player. Obviously, we had, as, as Knicks fans an excellent player at the level that we had not had in many years prior and many years after. For sure, that's totally true. And, you know, I think that people think like from the analytical perspective, oh, you know, you talk about his efficiency or, you know, and I'm sure as the analytical voice, like people would expect me to talk about like that he was an inefficient player. Actually, through his prime, he was pretty efficient. He was like generally always in the upper half to quarter of the league in efficiency, despite taking 20, literally 20 shots per game, like almost every season of his prime career. Um, and, you know, a sort of a sketchy shot diet. Like, but that demonstrated how good he was, how skilled he was, how good he was at his craft, right? Like, as everyone would say about Melo. But the thing is, it's like, I see Mello as like, like someone who was able to, uh, like a craftsman who made like, uh, like antique pianos or something. It's like, man, he was really good at that thing that's so hard and everybody can see like, that's really difficult. And he was amazing at it. But it's like, oh, okay, you have a, a, a antique piano now. <laughs> like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> like, I, like, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to display it in my house. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I can't hang this up, you know? Like, I, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> with this antique piano i need something like that has utility like a championship you know <laughs> like actually that's a tremendous point <laughs> like that is how i view it and it's like uh -huh. yeah everyone agrees universally wow this guy is an amazing craftsman amazing but like we disagree on the value of of the inherent to that craft i think that that's what we disagree on and that just is supported by what you were just talking about andrew so you can go from there or we can segue into like the 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 not <laughs> caring enough about coming to new york to come in free agency either way but i just wanted to add that point so the the tough part for me and i think it's it's really come to light with the the retired number conversation cuz i like we could go around and say like would you retire his number but like for me would I want to see his number retired? Yes. If someone were to be like, what? You can't retire his number. It's only three playoff series, three, three playoff appearances and one playoff series win. And, you know, there's more losing than winning. I'd be like, 
Yeah, you're probably right. Like, I'm not like sold on the fact that he needs to have his number retire and it's unimpeachable. I, again, I come from the Mets where up until 2016, one player's number was retired that actually played for the team. It was Tom Seaver. The other two was a manager and Jackie Robinson. And only recently, because Piazza made the Hall of Fame on the Wilpons way out, they were like, oh, by the way, Jerry Kuzman's number retired. And now that we got a billionaire who grew up in the 80s, the entire 86 Mets are about to have their numbers retired. Is that going to change? And I thought, like, I apply that same logic to the 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 Knicks way of things because I recognize the guys that have their numbers retired outside of Ewing have won a title. It's why Bernard King, I think, if we're gonna retire Melo's number, probably also needs to go up with with Melo that you got to have a number 30 up there as well as a number seven. My point, and I think this can now I'm gonna send it back to Sean because he got this started. My point is that a lot of his shortcomings I lay at the feet of like the Knicks for not being able to build around him. And I appreciated him because I didn't like as a Knicks fan in the 2010, in the 2000s, I didn't get to watch a lot of like all-stars play for my team. A lot of hall of famers play for my team in their prime. Shout out Tracy McGrady. Like I didn't get to watch a lot of like the guy like on, on prime time being on my team in prime time. It was always like, oh, well, let's put the Knicks on a national game because we know people will watch and Mike Sweetney will lead the team in points that night. Like I, I appreciated him for what it was, which is why I think his career to, to Sean, the way you started this, the complicated part of his career is it comps a lot with Mike Piazza, where he's a hall of famer. His best seasons are in a different uniform. The, 20 like the world series is obviously a higher accomplishment than um a second round exit but there's one really great season in there and then the rest like it's it's, it's kind of meh like after 2000 mike piazza the mets didn't make the playoffs so i can't like point to a lot of team success for him and i blame the mets and their incompetent owner ownership for that does it sound familiar so sean i turn it back over to you so my the pushback I give to the whole um, who do you have to pass it to uh, thing is like, well, what if Nicole Jokic had that same mentality? But seem to him to hear nor there. Um, so he's not you know, you're, you're, you got me. He's not Nicole Jokic. No, what I'm saying is this is always <laughs> like this is this idea of us like, well, they stink. So I'm just going to do me. And. I'm like, but that's not even about that. that that's but obviously it's Nicole Jokic, who's going to be like a top twenty player of all time. Mm-hmm. Center down, right? For me, it goes back to, and I think I never believed Carmelo Anthony was the best player on a championship team. Never, ever, and I've believed that way before he became a Nick. So. Now, when the guy who I don't think can be the best player in the championship team says, I'd like to play for you. However, I'd like you to buy something that you could get for free because of poor decisions that I made. Mm. The, 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 the I made, no, the I made, I agree with you on that. If you just, so add context to what you're talking about. Okay. Now we get into story time. Mm-hmm. So there's two parts of the story. One as, met, as most people know, Carmelo Anthony was scheduled to be a free agent in the summer of 2011. There is a lockout coming in 2011. 
most likely at this point, people think that South player style is going to roll back. Carmelo Anthony's eligible as a three-year, $65 million extension on the table. He doesn't know what that number is going to be. So he says to the Knicks, I'd like to play for you, but trade for me so I can get this money. And yes, yeah, so that so that's in so play. He, he, yeah. That's in play, right? And and um, even though so even though Carmelo Anthony, everyone and their mother knew that Carmelo Anthony um, didn't want to be in Denver and had one team he wanted to be traded to and was approaching free agency. Somehow we ended up again, like if like, listen, LeBron James is a billionaire. That doesn't mean he should buy a bottle of water for forty five dollars because he could afford it. If the bottle water is five bucks, he should pay five bucks. So he then, because he wanted to be in New York so much that he basically used his leverage to hold that franchise over a barrel so he can get his money. Now, one can say, well, I mean, how did he know when he signed his contract in 2006 that there will be a lockout in 2011? Guess what? LeBron James told him this in 2006. What do I mean? Story time. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, four of the top five players taken in the 2003 NBA draft. As you, many of you know, because you watch Knicks Film School or listen and you are very smart people, your first contract is a four-year contract. Four years. Yeah. Four, five, six, yeah, yeah, four-year four contract. Year yeah, four-year deal. So there, so they all became restricted free agents in 2006. Approaching that summer, LeBron James, because um, LeBron James and Wade, they all get together and they're like, well, listen, we speaking to a lot of smart people, including our agent, and I'll get to who that is later, um, says, hey. The next CBA, there's probably going to be a lockout because of the the revenue split was 57-43 and, they, and the, the owners want to pull it back. So here's what we should do. Let's, instead of signing the five-year deal with well, four years of an option, let's sign a four-year deal so we can all be free agents in 2010 and then we can all literally decide where we want to play and we can all opt in and get our money before the lockout. Before the lockout. LeBron was like, who's with me? Dwayne Wade, I'm with you. Chris Bosh, I'm with you. Come on, Anthony, Nabi, give me all the money. So he <laughs> takes the five-year deal instead of the four-year deal. And then fast forward to the summer of 2010. And what happened to summer of 2010, everybody? That's the decision. And Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron James were all free agents say, let's all get together and play here. What about Melo? Oh, Melo decided to take the five-year deal and he was stuck. And because he didn't listen to, I'm not going to say his best friend, he didn't listen to his boy who told him that advice. And I'm not going to act like LeBron knew that, but I'm pretty sure he knew that from someone like his agent who was, who was his agent? Leon Rose. Does anyone know? Leon Rose. That would be one. Leon Leon Rose. Rose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leon Rose. He got himself in this awful, he got not awful, but he, he, put himself in this situation because he always wanted, he always prioritized his money. And then he compounded that problem with another problem by saying, by saying, Hey, 
I have an idea. I know how I can fix this. <laughs> Here's this. I'm this. Buy this bottle of water for forty five dollars. Mm. And here we are. And that to do that for a player that I don't believe can be the best player on a championship team has always stuck in my craw. So before I let you go, before we go to Mensa, I agree with you about the four year deal versus the five year deal. Like that is the one thing about like not having the foresight, especially when LeBron Wade and Bosch are doing the same thing that I agree with the we just flatly disagree on the the misappropriation of like getting to your next team so you could get to the the extension i will we'll get to that later and i personally value him higher i i watch a ton of inefficient players be the best player on a championship team hi kobe bryant hi dirk nowitzki throughout the 2000s i thought there was a dirk 2010 which bill simmons has said this a lot a dirk 2011 path for Melo where you just have the great score and you surround him with you know really good at one thing like like Tyson Chandler, Jason Terry, Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, like all those guys and then they make up for his uh, lack of ability as a result. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. So the reason why I... like. That, that argument bothers me because, yeah, Melo decided that he wanted to get paid. So I'm sorry. This is a young black kid from what he's from Baltimore who's 22 years old. He's like, yeah, give me all the money, please. And I will not like I don't begrudge him for wanting to get paid every dollar he was worth. And then when they made the trade for him. They that they were not the idea that the New York Knicks were this asset barren place because Carmelo Anthony decided he wanted to get traded there to me is flat out nonsense because, yeah, the team when he first got there was a bad team for sure. But that did not force the New York Knicks to say, hey, Chauncey Billups, Amari Stoudemire, who are we using the amnesty on? Amari, what I would have used it on Amari because his knees were shot and everybody knew his knees were shot. No, let's cut the guy who's going to be a free agent in the same time that Chris Paul was coming up on free agency. Like there was that money that we could have given to Chris Paul who wanted to be in New York. But we forget about that because the New York Knicks played their cards wrong and they said, let's go get Tyson Chandler, who I love. Tyson Chandler is one of my favorite New York Knicks. He won the defensive player of the year. He was absolutely worth it. But you were they cut the wrong guy, and they just made wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision. We get the 54-win New York Knicks team that's the two-seed, and we go, oh, you know what? The East is big. Let's go get Andrea Bargnani and trade the pick that turned into uh, Jamal Murray 
Like that to me is that is much worse than Carmelo Anthony coming to a team that still had some chips to play. Yeah. okay, it wasn't. He didn't play it perfectly, but the Knicks incompetence did much more, much more damage to our future success than Carmelo Anthony coming here via trade. Okay, we want to have, and especially for us to have this discussion that, oh, Carmelo Anthony should have, oh, we didn't have to trade for him. He could have come in free agency. Well, when you trade for a guy, you should trade for a guy because everybody thought, everybody knows Donovan Mitchell wants to be in New York. He wants to be in New York. He wants to be in New York. And then he effed around and ended up in Ohio. Okay. Carmelo Anthony didn't F around and end up in New Jersey. He came to New York. He, he made it very clear. And I think that was him using star leverage. And there's nothing wrong with that. He had a plan B. He said, look, I'm going to get paid now and I'm going to get paid later. He ended up where he wanted to end up. Was it perfect? No, but it does not excuse all of the incompetence that came from this New York Knicks front office after he came here. That's I don't like that argument that, oh, the trade screwed us. The trade didn't screw us. We gave up forwards. It, man, whatever. So <laughs> the, the only quick clarification, the the pick that that they took Jamal Murray with was in the mellow trade. The mellow deal, right. It was a course. swap from that shouldn't have mattered. But, but Phil <laughs> Phil Jackson decided I I'm going to botch the beginning part of my tenure as Knicks president. So a <laughs> swap that never should twice. have mattered um ended up getting utilized and it's why Jamal Murray got taken. As far as the like the the trade I'm I obviously in lockstep with you. Um like nobody that they traded made an all-star team. Nobody they, they were able to get Felton back anyway. It was one pick that then got traded two more times after Denver acquired it. Yeah. Uh, so Sean, you have a follow-up. I don't understand how like using all using Nick's incompetence to justify Carmel Anthony's foolishness makes no sense. Like Agreed. if I study for a test and I fail a test and then I hire a tutor and a tutor's awful and I fail the class, I can't go say I failed the tests because of your incompetence. No, I failed that test because of the decisions I made. What if the tutor gives you the wrong information? What if the tutor well, yeah, is a history teacher and he's stuttering head? <laughs> no, no, no. no you know what I'm saying. To, your comp no, you trying to saying. say is what if I go to work for like a sporting goods company, they suddenly decide day one, like I'm an expert, like say I'll use, I'm actually using a personal example. Say I go to work in like the golf section and I'll make a golf pro and then they hire me to be a golf pro. Then it turns out day one, Hey, we're getting rid of the golf section. You're going over to firearms. And it's like, I know nothing about guns. If we're lasting gun sales for the next four years, it, it's technically my fault that I didn't sell enough guns, but why did you put me in this position to do something I'm not necessarily capable of doing? You misunderstood the analogy, so I'll okay. say it again. So go ahead. I'm in a class in college. I study on my own. I fail the midterm. Now, because I failed the midterm, I'm in, I am in danger of failing the class. I hire a tutor. The tutor is terrible. I fail the final exam. And then I turn around, go to the tutor and say, I failed because I failed the midterm. This is your fault. And it's like, no, 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 no. 
I failed the midterm all by my damn self, which put me in a position to have to hire this tutor who stinks. And when the tutor stinks, I go, well, you know, if you had just tutored me better, it's like, yeah, but the reason you're in this position is because you failed the midterm by your damn self. And let me say this, Mensa, it's like, listen, I understand. Yes, he's a young black man from Baltimore. He want to get his money. You know who's a young black man from the hood who, who, who got his money? LeBron. LeBron James. You know who's a young black man from the hood of Chicago who want his money? Dwayne Wade. I'm going to give a shout out to my man, Nick. Nick, to, Nick Tufts on Twitter. When you make financial decisions, you get financial results. So the idea that you Taking the money is always the right decision. It's the right financial decision, but it isn't always the right decision. That's all. Hold on. Let me just let me just let me just clarify something really quickly. The idea that I mean, I'm assuming in your analogy, Carmelo Anthony is the student who failed the midterm. Correct. Failed the midterm. Okay. I okay, but. We have and his to boy understand. was like, yo, you should come study with us. He's like, nah, I got this myself. And then he failed. Well, I wonder why. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. I don't think Carmelo Anthony was a failure, by the way. Like, I don't think mid-term. he's a failure. He went to a bad analogy. school, is what he did. Guy went he to Liberty. Went to when he went to no, he went to Liberty. Uh, you know, in your analogy, he went to Liberty when everybody else <laughs> went to Duke, okay? XJ, go ahead. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, I agree with everything Sean said besides his analogy. Is what I want to say. My analogy was amazing. <laughs> I get I get what Sean's trying to say. Sean, Everybody yeah, with less assist than Jalen Brunson has more. <laughs> don't do that. Don't sorry, do that. Sorry, sorry. And now we're deflecting. That's don't how you know we're deflecting. I just had to. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I, you know, I love my shotisms. You know, I, I, I think the, the point is he, Carmelo made a strategic error in terms of trying to make all of the money that he could instead of deferring to a point when he could maximize his total um, earnings. He tried to get as much as he could as soon as he could. And that was a strategic error on his part for his own financial well being, but also put him in the position that Sean is describing where he's essentially like needing to move to a team prior to the offseason in order to capitalize again. So that one mistake kind of compounded upon itself. And then what he did was he kind of trickled down that error onto the Knicks in sort of a way, in, in, in a certain way. And I, I agree. I, the Knicks made a ton of mistakes as well. It's, they've been a bumbling franchise. Of course, they made a ton of mistakes. That doesn't excuse uh, the Carmelo's um, Carmelo's contribution to 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 the bumbling franchise that is the Knicks. He's, he sort of fit right in in that way, um, and so I just think there are things that he could have done better. I, I I think it's okay that he wanted to come here and wanted to also get paid and kind of force the Knicks' hand, and they just had to make the trade for him. But at the same time you're very less likely to win a championship if you do that. If the team that's acquiring you has to give up assets to acquire you, you're very less likely to win a championship. That's just very... That's just like deductively true. Like if they had those assets, okay, great. Those guys were not superstars. They never went on to like reach whatever we thought their peak potential could be, but they were still assets that had value and you could have traded them for someone else. There were a lot of things you could have done. They would have added value to the team if you kept them. Those are still assets that you had to lose. I'm not saying that that's why I, you know, I have an issue with Carmelo or anything like that. 
I don't think Carmelo was ever good enough to be a number one on the championship team. Mm. I think Carmelo was an elite offensive player, but was never an elite. Well, maybe besides one, one or two years was not really a, consistently an elite player in the NBA elite offensively, not an elite player overall in the NBA due to his defensive deficiencies that we're all aware of. There were motor issues. There were, um, there were instinctive issues. There were just effort issues that, that constantly came up that reminds you of one or two Knicks players that you see, uh, um, in, in these days. Um, and I just, I just, I'm not the kind of person who is giving him credit for wanting to come to the Knicks like that. I don't agree with that. I'm not like, wow, thank you so much, Carmelo for wanting to come here. Like he wanted to come here because he wanted to come here. He didn't want to come here out of the goodness of his own heart. He didn't want to come here because, uh, man, he saw all the Knicks fans and how sad they were. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go cheer those guys up. I'm going to go to that team and make them better. He wanted to come here. He wanted to be here. That was his choice. I'm not like thankful that he wanted to come here. The same way, I'm not thankful that Jalen Brunson wanted to come here. Jalen Brunson had a lot of reasons to come here. He was going to get paid more money. He was going to get, he was going to be on a team with his, with his dad, with literally with his dad. And, you know, it's like he had a family here. Like, I, I'm not thankful for Jalen Brunson. I'm thankful that he's here. I'm, I'm not thankful, thankful to him. I am grateful for Jalen Brunson. I'm very thankful to No, no, you guys are, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be clear I'm about this because I don't want to know be, where XJ is coming from. I know where he is too. I just I want to know for the record. I want to be clear about this. Thank you, Jalen. For the record. Thank you. Every day. I want to be clear for the record. I talk to God and I'm like, God, thank you for Jalen Brunson wanting to come here and for everything else you've done. I'm thankful that Jalen Brunson came here. I'm not thankful to Jalen Brunson for wanting to come here. Those are I am thankful to Jalen Brunson for wanting to come here. (laughs) Thank you, you, Jalen Brunson. I'm at the Dallas Mavericks for the rest of my life. The Mets fans are mad. By the way, thank you, you, Steve Cohen. And thank you, Aaron Rodgers. I just want to thank all three of you. You're hitting on it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to win any. Well, okay. I really would like him to win. (laughs) He wanted to come to my football team. Nobody wants to come to my football team. Like, but there's a reason the why can go seven and ten, and you'll be fine with it because thank you, oh, Aaron, no, for wanting to come here. I'll change. If we go seven and ten, something went horribly wrong because I think this team's going to be really good this year. My point is, the Knicks didn't go seven and ten. They were fifty-four win team three three years in to Melo's tenure with the Knicks. Like the then record. they messed it up. That's yeah, that bingo. No one, we're no letting one. the Knicks off the hook because no, Melo wanted to get paid. Those are I two. think you have look. Listen the. The Knicks being stupid weighs heavier on the Knicks' incompetence more than Carmelo, more than the Mellow trade. Because we're okay, not comparing say Carmelo them, Anthony, though, Mensa. we're not comparing say Carmelo, them. Okay, These are listen, false equivalences. I, I'm not but, making mm. a false equivalency. I'm saying yes, Carmelo Anthony made a mistake by not taking the the shorter deal and coming in free agency because he then robbed the team that he wanted to play for. I and that's that. our only point. But what I am saying is that even though he robbed them, they were going to get robbed anyway. They were going to do stupid things. Okay, they just they would have just had more assets. Do you really believe that if, that the New York Knicks, if they had Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler and Timothy Mozgov and random pick number twenty seven, that that, that would have fixed the New York Knicks? And they'd be like, oh, Melo came here in free agency. Oh, now the Knicks are going to be better. No, there were stupid people running the team at the stupid time, and they made stupid decisions. 
decisions. That's all it is. No, like, like, I mean, that's more important. I, I believe when Jerry Krause said that organizations win championships, that he was very, very right mm-hmm. because yeah, he set the Knicks back with his decision making. And, and, and that will always be a part of his legacy. He came via trade and he took, and because, and because of that, Assets that we could have used. And I remember this so very well because the entire time I'm a 17 year old, I'm an 18 year old. And I'm like, the Oklahoma City Thunder are about to trade James Harden and we need to have assets to go get James Harden. Boom. The next year, James Harden gets traded to the um to the Houston Rockets to a team for like stupid assets. It didn't make any sense. And yeah, it would have been nice. It would have it would have been nice to have had Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler to offer to them because now now you're talking about James Harden and Carmelo Anthony with um maybe even um Tyson Chandler at the time. It would have been very different. Don't get me wrong, but I do not trust the Knicks to think as smart as I was thinking. They were stupid, and that and, and that made more and. And their stupidity to me had more to do with the Knicks incompetence during the mellow era than Carmelo Anthony did, because when they had a good team, they didn't know what to do with it. They, they didn't recognize that they were good because Melo was playing power forward. They said, no, let's go get the worst power forward in the NBA and put him next to Carmelo Anthony. And that because ruined all the vibes. he didn't want to play power forward anymore. And that's Are because they're... to leave them at, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. He didn't want to stop playing power forward because they were, the Knicks are stupid. He didn't want to stop playing power forward because he didn't want to stop playing. He didn't want to play power forward. There was only one. And, 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 because now that we've moved away from the asset management portion of the show to the on the court portion of the Mm. show, when you have the 54 win team playing a style of basketball that has gotten you arguably your best season ever, what does Carmelo Anthony say? Hey, Mike, I'd like to go back to the bullshit that I did before. Let's do that. Yeah. Huh? Oh, that you didn't know. You didn't know that. Didn't know. What are you talking about? What do you mean? What am I talking about? The they went back to the bullshit. The, yeah, they went back to the bull. They went back to the bully ball, pounding the post, like. Like the, like the 2013 team played a style of ball. Like, are we saying are we saying that the 2013 team and the 2014 play ball the exact same way? No, they couldn't because the roster had so much turn. They Andrea Borgnani was on the 2014 I'm year not, team. Okay, can anybody guess? <laughs> okay, so in 2013, Carmelo Anthony played 78 percent of his minutes at power forward. That was a huge reason why we were a better team. Carmelo Anthony, this is the myth. He wanted to go back to playing small forward. Yes. Andrea Bargnani got hurt and all that sort of stuff. And then Carmelo Anthony in 2014 had his best season as a New York Knicks playing 62% of the minutes at power forward. Mm -hmm. He was still playing power forward. The decision to bring Andrea Bargnani's garbage into the fold had much more to do with the New York, then Melo playing the three or the four because it was it really wasn't that big of a difference. He played sixteen percent less of the minutes at power forward. At, well, I'm sorry, at, at power forward, yeah. So that listen, it would not have been an issue if Melo moved back to the three. If the four that the Knicks decided to bring in was a good basketball player, there is a fundamental issue with you when you look at Andrea Bargnani and say, "Yeah, let's get this guy and give up a." first round pick for it. That means you're like, you're hopeless. You are hopelessly dumb. That was a hopelessly dumb decision to the point where James Dolan 
in that season said, hey, look, listen, I'm stupid. I need help. Somebody come help me. And then the, and the consulting firm came and said, stop trading first round picks. And we haven't done it until the Josh Hart trade because the New York Knicks realized that there was a fundamental issue in the in the fabric, in the walls that were rotting. That had more to do with the failure than Carmelo Anthony wanting to come here and Carmelo Anthony wanted to be traded and then wanted to play powerful um, small forward and then not wanting Jeremy Lin. Like, yeah, all of those things were real. And I'm not trying to discount it, but I'm saying that a smart organization would have handled it differently and would have used the and would have used the assets it had to continue to improve. This team did not do that. And we can't and we can't let them go. Because we, because we want to blame Melo. But that, no one's letting them go. Not, no one's letting that's them the thing. go, yeah. No yeah. one, neither me nor XJ, are absolving the New York Knicks for their foolishness. Like, that's the frustrating part. It says when we try to assign a level of culpability, the response is, look how dumb the Knicks are. It's like, no. Exactly. He, but that's more yeah. important. I, uh, no, but yeah. about, but I'm, I've been hearing about RJ being misused all season and how the Knicks are being mismanaged and not put in the right position and their offense is rat fake and and all of these organizational decisions that oh, are taking place right but taking blame away from the players for being put in certain positions and yet like I've had to sit and watch like all the commentary about how Julius it's not his fault that they lost game six it's two minutes and seven seconds of RJ running the offense after we thought he was supposed to have more well, after we thought he took the leap in this playoffs and we decided listen I the, the lineup was crazy. Don't get me wrong. Tibbs, what are you doing? But like, this is where I'm, I'm trying to balance like, yes, Melo does share some blames for his shortcomings, but I also watched him score 39 in game six against the Pacers. And only thing people remember is him getting blocked by Roy Hibbert, not like J.R. Smith, not shooting well that game, not like the rest of the guys on that team, not named Amon Shumpert, not showing up, you know? And I don't hold that. Like, I don't hold those things against him either. I'm just saying that whenever you try to assign, I don't know what percent of blame pie Carmelo Anthony gets. Yeah, blame pie. I don't know what it is. 20%. All I'm saying is, but he has a slice. And whenever you bring up a slice. Yeah. I think that's all saying. Yeah. And whenever you bring up a slice, everyone goes, but it's whataboutism. All lies. You're not bringing up a slice. It's not, though. You're cooking up a pie. But there's a, but all I'm saying is, because hey, the spice is the only thing that to, gets brought up. No, 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 no. Hold on. What? We're talking about Mello. Okay. We're literally talking the other about Mello well, Right. <laughs> and the other day when he retired, the, the large notion, I read the comments to our videos, the large notion was like, if only he didn't force his way here, the Knicks would have been good. And that's just flat out wrong. That's just not. I like don't, they were we're good not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying but we're that. Fine. Not saying then that. I, I'm sorry to apply that to you guys. It's just tough when the energy no, comes at Carmelo for it. And I agree with you. The four-year deal instead of the five-year deal, that's the smoke I have for him. I was largely fine with the Melo trade in the moment, especially as I said on the, on the live stream the other day. Because of the Dolan of it all, that you couldn't just be like, hey, we're we're the thunder for a couple of years. We're a young like team rebuilding and we have no idea when we're going to take a leap. No, this garden's got to be sold out. There's always got to be a show at MSG. So you had to promise him, oh, summer 2010, we're getting all these guys. What'd you get? Amari Stoudemire, which there's an hey, Amari. Can we talk about there's an that's Amari the dude that brought it. it back? Well, I have a complicated 
feelings. No, oh, wait, 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 Mello was the one that made it cool. I was like, no, 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 no. It starts with Amari. Now I, you can say that the Knicks were the only team that. That's were going my to give point. The only thing that gave him a five-year deal. So like, well, that's listen, why I don't have as much like. But there are certain. Listen, but there are certain. Listen, listen. There are plenty of players <laughs> better than Amari and worse than Amari who would never take our money, right? Yeah. So, so like. We need to give credit where credit's due. Because Thank you, Amari, that, that, for that wanting first to come half to of that Knicks. season was fun. <laughs> for the hell. only team that would give your knees. Thank you five for years. wanting to take the most money that was offered to you, Amari. Yeah. We really appreciate it. I like. I yeah. That this is my issue with it. It's like I'm not so grateful. Carmelo did what he wanted to do for himself. It, that all I'm mm-hmm. saying is that I don't have this overwhelming gratitude towards Carmelo for doing what he wanted to do. Like it's not like he took a cut. He took a he took a he, a penalty to oh, we'll himself to, to his second. He he did what he wanted to do. He wanted to come here. He wanted to get his money. He did he did both things. He wanted to play the position he wanted to play. He wanted to be in the alpha role that he wanted to be in, and he did all those things. It's it's cool. Carmelo is an excellent player. Like a, he was damn good at it. All time great offensive player was never going to be good enough to win a championship as the mm. number one unless there were like guys who were like just as good as he was or very close to it. Um, and it just that's just the reality of the situation. I I, I really like Melo. I never expected to win a championship with him. Um, when they got deep into the playoffs, that was like a surprise. I was like, wow, this is like shocking that we're this good. Um, and I was I was I was appreciative of it, but it, it's not like I was like over the moon because. I want to win a championship. I'm sorry that I'm used to that from the other sports that I watch. <laughs> but that, but that is like the difference. Here, other right? sports, and, and other no, sports. And yes. no, no, that's other sports. Because well, for me, I saw the New York Knicks be one shot away from being world champions. Yep. I saw that. So that's like, that's why like the Yankee things like cool. Like, no, 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 no. Like I seen my, t- like we make fun of, like I seen my team win the Eastern conference twice. Yeah. Mets were great that's in the eighties. You're right. The Mets are great in the eighties. Like there's older Mets fans that are like, you have an appreciation for David, Wright When I saw Keith and Gary Carter and, and all these eighties guys, like it's an age that thing. exists too. There is an age thing. That's why like I, I try to judge him by his era and to his era, he's, Comps really well with Dirk. Comps really well with Dominique. Comps really well. Yo, can we can we you know, can we chill with the Melo and Dirk comparison? Please. Dirk ends up winning a title, so he gets to differentiate himself. But I, but I Dirk went was and, way more of a willing passer than Melo was. Way. More. I think you're misremembering his. No, career. I'm not, because Dirk was my favorite player in the league. He was way. Cause the funny thing is, in 2014, I was like, the only way, the 2013, the only way this team is going to win the title is if they follow. The, if they follow the Dirk, the Mavs model, but the difference is mm-hmm. Dirk was way more of a willing passer than Melo was. So I went and did the stat head sorting of players that and I tried to make it fair, like not cherry pick too much. So I did 25 points a game, 18 shots a game, under 50% from the field, under four assists per game. So like those seasons with those four splits, because that's around Melo's averages for his career, like during his peak. And Dirk has five such seasons to Melo's six. Like th- those seasons do exist, like where, where Dirk wasn't as willing a passer as you. Now, he might have had better teammates around him in some seasons, which made his uh, passing numbers be a little more inflated because he actually had guys when he threw the ball to that would make shots and not yeah, always like, make Calderon. Like, like that thud. 
Deshaun Stevenson. Yeah. And, and you know, like Jason that, Terry that whole, and Sean Marion and, and, and Michael Finley and Michael. That, exactly. That, that, and oh, <laughs> see this. Now we're getting to excuses part of the show because it's like, oh, yeah, these great teammates. I'm like, all right. And then I, I, I listen, my I'm only boy with the mellow- willing passer. And the idea that you're telling me is like, well, look at these numbers. Like, well, I watch the games. Like, I watch the, the games hockey too. The hockey, me, is like, the hockey, like the hockey assist that did like mm. what, whatever. I, Mello, I, I, so Mello never had a hockey assist. No, but there's also, I, I, I want to say like I, definitely the numbers wise, Carmelo would be seen as like the higher assist numbers, like assist percentage wise, Carmelo had better assist percentage seasons. I think what Sean is reflecting on is more like, Mellow's like ball stopping tendencies like okay maybe he'll get the assist but like for instance Rondo a lot of times was like not like was like a selfish passer you know like he has to yeah, get, he has yeah. to get the assist he's going to hold the ball until he can pass to a guy who's got an open shot or he's just going to hold on to the ball like that's not really like a facilitator willing passer like there's a there's a there's a semantic subtle difference to it and there's nuance to it and I and I I think in that view I don't think Nowitzki really held the ball and stopped it quite as much as Melo did. If it's a semantics thing, fine. I just, as someone who also watched the games and also appreciated Dirk's career, remember the conversation around him before 2011. Like, I, I, this was a guy that was headed toward Carmelo's reputation all time if 2011 doesn't happen, which, like, I think Melo's in like that second tier of all time greats in the top. 50, 55 which ever. Unfair. Which was what? unfair because Dirk had I, already made a final. Dirk had already made a finals. Dirk was already MVP. Dirk was the best player in a 67 win team. Like mm-hmm. the 2011, like 2011 definitely saved Dirk's career, but it, we would have looked Dirk unfavorably, unfairly because of it. Whereas I think when it came to like, so here's the question. Here's a question I have for you and Mensa. Okay, and I remember asking this question. Like, I, I was on this email thread when the military happened, and you know we had two sides whatever. And I said to my, I said to my friends, at the time, who is the player that is not better than Carmelo Anthony that makes a twenty that you add, you could literally just cherry pick and drop on the twenty thirteen team that makes them a championship contender. Who is he? So you're adding, not subtracting anybody. No, you can literally just like you're taking off the fifteenth man and you're adding a player who's that's not better than Melo that makes him a championship contender. That's not. I think better. about. It, I should have asked you this like twenty four hours advance. So yeah, yeah, I would have loved like more than but, right but now. The thing is, I've it. thought about this question for ten years, and the uh, and like the answer, the best answer that I my friends came up with at the time. Was Rajon Rondo? I was about to say Rondo. Actually, a point guard would have been great. I was going to say Lowry. A point guard. That's my point. The best point guard he played with was like last year of his prime, Raymond Felton, Jeremy Lin for three weeks, and Derrick Rose for a season. So, Melo and Kyle Lowry are championship contenders. If they're one, see the tough part about this whole conversation is that the Heat exist. So, like. I'm not even saying championship contenders. Would I have liked to see that team, that 54 win team, go up against the Heat in, the seven, in a seven game series because they beat them three out of four times during the regular season? Yes. I would have liked to see, especially since the Pacers took them to seven, like maybe the gap was closer than, than I thought because I, I would have picked the Heat in that series. But like championship contender with the Heatles existing is such a tough thing to 
guarantee. I think they were good enough to compete with the Heat if they have another guy. Yes. So we agree that they probably wouldn't have beat the Heat, but it would have been nice to have seen it happen, right? I, I would like fair. to see that series play out. Yeah. Yes. And guess what? While the Knicks may have botched the Carmelo Anthony era with or without the assets they gave for, for him, I would have liked to have seen it happen. And I didn't. never did because Carmelo Anthony tried to fool everybody and tell people that he was going to go to New Jersey <laughs> if you don't tra- trade for me or I'm going to go to New Jersey. And then even after Mikhail Prokhorov is like, listen, this dude ain't serious. He's used us for leverage. Let's get out of the deal. It's like, yo, he only wants to go one place. Right. And then, and that to give you, not to give you immense credit, the fact that that deal was made on the Monday before the trade deadline and not Thursday was James Dolan, like Donnie Walsh is like, yo, they don't have no leverage. Just wait till Thursday. They'll cave. Just, they'll just wait till Thursday. And James Dolan came in and did James Dolan thing. So that I agree with. But I would have liked to have seen it happen. Because the irony is they actually built a really good team around him in 2013. The same people that you think are the fucking idiots who fucked everything up built a 54-win team. The problem they couldn't is because not really the organization. It was one man in the organization that kept doing the things that he always did. That's all. Wait, what? So the one man that kept doing things he always did is no. who? James. Oh, okay, it's Dolan. I was making sure you're listening. The chairman of the Madison Square Garden Company. The Darren Williams trade was made the next day, so clearly the Nets were interested in a guy and Denver had no incentive to keep Mello. And you already mentioned the lockout of it all. Like, mm-hmm. It's why I have so much less smoke for the actual trade happening than I do... Like I hear you out on the four, the the not doing what LeBron said to do, because then he lines up and is a free agent in 2010. It's a different conversation. When the actual trade happened, it was like, yeah, Billy Hunter, the president of the players union, is saying there's not going to be a season next year, and that this lockout is going to be extensive. Like uh, the idea that he was just going to walk in free the free agency to the Knicks, nobody knew what. And this is where revisionist history and people like us that were old enough to remember it are important to be like, yeah, I don't. I remember watching Dirk beat the the Heat in 2011 and the tenor of the post game being like, well, we don't know when we're going to see another basketball game. So I hope you enjoyed this finals for what it was. Um, I that That's me, at least. And look, you know what, Mensa, I think you'll agree. I, you know what? Fair point, Sean. Like, you would have liked to see it play out if they had... It, that's... I accept it. I think the trade I'm actually frustrated with is the Bargnani trade than that other one. Cause I do think that um, there was a good enough team that could have competed and there was plenty of assets to get another guy, even without the, the trade. I don't think they got robbed the way some people do, but process is what matters. If that's your point, fair enough. And so. honestly, all the, like the power forward thing that doesn't really bother me as much. The- yeah. Cause they had Amari. Like, that's the other part of this. If they, he went to a team that had a great power forward and was like starting the all star game and then like slowly diminished, as a lot of people thought he was, as the, the career went along, you know, which I like to apologize. him would have been the right move. Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication, or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports. But not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. This is Reign of Error. 
a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. We've gone through the poor decision in 2006 and what happened in 2010 and then 2011 and the Bargnani's, right? So why did Carmel Anthony choose to re-sign with a team that won 37 games and had limited draft capital and so, no young and no real young players like that team was like at the time. And I have it in a blog somewhere at the time. You want to talk about how you, how you talk about in 2011. We were all like this. Like, I remember at the end of the 2014 season, I was like, why would he stay here? Like now you have evidence of like, listen, this you could say that Dolan is Dolan and whatever, whatever. Like, why would you stay? So this is where I need like one good article to be written about the Phil Jackson tenure here. Cause I just, I don't know what the free agent negotiation was because Phil gives him the contract, gives him a no trade clause, then spends four years feuding with him through the media. And every decision is conflicting. We want to build around mellow. We're trading Tyson Chandler and J.R. Smith and Amon Shumper the following season. We want to, to, Go after it with this young this young team with Kristaps Porzingis and we got this young kid and we're gonna try and build through build this thing slowly through him. Um, we're gonna hire Derek Fisher to be your head coach and then we're gonna we're, we're, we're 
trying to build this the right way with guys like Damian Dotson and Lance Thomas and these these this, this young team with Porzingis. Um, Yo, by the way, Derek Lance Rose, Thomas. Derek Rose, Joe Kim Noah, and Courtney Lee are going to be our big offseason acquisitions. Like the back and forth with what Phil actually wanted to do, which I actually do think there was some method to it. It was just so conflicting with, oh, by the way, I'm going to hire Derek Fisher, fire him a season later, hire Jeff Hornacek and try to force my coaching style from the front office. And like the, the, the miscommunications galore. Oh, by the way, Charlie Rosen's going to write an article once a week for something called Fan Rag, which doesn't exist anymore. And it's going to be clear this is coming right from Phil Jackson's mouth. Matt, you muted yourself. You muted yourself. Muted yourself. All the embarrassment is coming right back. Yeah. <laughs> the Phil Jackson era was peak embarrassment. Bro, the LOL Knicks that exists now. I was part of the crew being like, yeah, let's laugh at the Knicks. Like, take 10 seconds to laugh at the Knicks for these next four years. This is embarrassing. This, this listen, man. And and it, it's a it's a shame that all these happened during the rise of social media, which has created a narrative that we're still trying to beat. Mm-hmm. But I will say that like I just never understood. I was like, yo, Mel, if you really want to win, you should get the fuck out of here. Like, get out of here. Like, I like I had a I, somewhere on the internet somewhere. I wrote a thing. I was like, yo, I don't. If you are serious about winning, yeah. why would you stay here? Chicago would have been better. Miami would have been better. Uh, this is well, where I actually you know do why? share Mer- Mello's the, the appreciation that Mensa has for Mello. He did choose a second time to stay here because he was like, I want to win it here. Now I get it. No, no, oh, or, the most or, money, but the day of the second decision, when LeBron went back to Cleveland, he was like, if LeBron wants to come to the Knicks, which LOL, um, if LeBron wants to come here, I'll take 496. This way there's room for both of us. LeBron went back to Cleveland. Bosch went back to Miami. Wade signed for a smaller deal. He's looking around like, okay, I guess like this offseason set, I'll take the five-year deal and so on and so forth. And because LeBron was like, why would okay, you could take four for ninety six. Why would I come here? Right. So no, like, the, the Knicks were not a free agent destination, which goes yeah. to the reputation that they had. So which, to me, it's like know. when you're like, oh, the Knicks were this awful organization. I was like, yes, he had his get out of jail free card in 2014. But you know what he did? He took the money. And again, you want to take the money? But- that's cool. But, this was but a- with financial decisions come financial results. So now at this point, you want to say everything you want, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and be like everything from 2011 to 2014. He didn't know that was coming. Cool. Everything after that is like, come on. Like you like now, you know, how, now you know how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. You are now choosing. You are opting into this. Like, and, but the and to me, actually, his point, these are the things that when you try to have these conversations with the mellow hive, it gets like it's downplayed, it's deflected, it's what about ism and da 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 and da 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 and what like the what Phil Jackson did is like, but like like I, so but I, I still look at like so what did Mello do during 2014 to 2017 that is like like, uh, granted, he got older. Like, he became a worse player. Don't get me wrong, but this is where I would have trusted a better organization to build around him. He could have went to that other organization. He wanted to stay here. Like, I then blame the here for not not then rather than the guy that wanted to stay here. Anyway, Mensa. 
if I remember correctly, I think Melo did like some sort of like documentary or something about that um, free agency decision. And he plainly said that he thought he was going to the Bulls. The Bulls were where he thought it was his next stop. But he had a conversation with Phil mm. and nobody knew Phil <laughs> was an idiot at this point. <laughs> Yo, I suspect that <laughs> Phil was an idiot, bro. Did you really? Yeah, for sure. Next yeah. you have received one hundred percent. Don't you? I I'll, swear, I'll, he, I'll dig that's, for receipts. Please, hilarious. Um, but <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> XJ knew. Um, I swear. Not, I swear. I knew. If <laughs> that's I the next idiot. T-shirt. XJ knew. There you go. Um, <laughs> God, that's it. This is before any, and he had this like this gravitas to him, and he told, and according to Melo, he said Phil kind of convinced him to stay that they could do it together. And then, like you said, Phil Jackson being a complete weirdo and was probably high on shrooms half the time. Mm-hmm. Watching like, the Warriors in the playoffs and saying, I don't think jump shooting is the way to go. Look, how's it going watching like teams win with three-pointers, guys? Well, he wasn't going? alone. He wasn't alone thinking that. Yeah, no, Charles Barkley was an idiot too. Like all these... I, I mean, most old school basketball guys like this yeah. will never work but yeah, they honestly, math and then math one but the funny thing is you know why i call bs on that because i remember tom penn and i've been trying to find this tom penn the former cap guy who was on espn for a while he basically broke it down that summer before and he was basically like if Melo wants to go to chicago he basically has to take half the money his first year because of the mm-hmm. way the Bulls thing was. There. So he can say all that. It came down to the money. Miami's the and one that thought he could have that. That's the actually one. He, if he just replaced LeBron in Miami, then like that was the path, you know, yeah. but and, and, he wanted and, and, to do it in New York. I, I don't blame him for uh, that's me. I don't blame him for wanting to do it in a place that he wanted to play. And I'll Especially say this, with a new, this, new GM. And I'll say this, and I think this will be a good segue for Mensa. I have a, as I've gotten older, I've had a better appreciation for basketball players who choose life over winning at a certain point in their careers. Like, yes, I'd like to win a championship. You know, my family's here. My kids are here. Like, I don't want to just go to another school. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why when I see out like when I see people tweet things like, hey, number 30, Sacramento has a really good school district mm-hmm. for Kaiden. I'm like, yo, that's awful. Mm-hmm. That is awful. Um, but, you know, would you make like there are always an unintended consequence of decisions that 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 we make. And I think sometimes those those unintended consequences get overlooked for for purpose of our argument. Um, I'd now like to throw it to Mensa if he has anything he'd like to share about number 30 in orange and blue and a and, comparison to number seven. And then we'll so get to, to XJ to wrap up. XJ, are you cool? You want to go now or no, nah, nah, were- nah, it, it's on you, Mensa. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. So recently with the um Carmelo Anthony, I think he did an interview with Chris Herring. Uh, Yeah. And he made some comments about like, essentially, I didn't really look into it as yet, but the feel from it from like Twitter and all that sort of stuff is that he was saying that he can kind of appreciate what Julius Randle is currently going through, which led to the Julius Randle hive, which I don't know why he has one of those anymore, but it led to the Julius Randle hive on Twitter saying really, really foolish things. Like we're going to appreciate, we're going to the same way we we felt about Melo, we're going to feel about Julius Randle. And I just want to say to everybody who thinks 
that Julius Randle is in, it should be called in the same breath as Carmelo Anthony. You are all out of your rabbit ass minds. How dare you? How dare you compare Julius Randle, who has not shown up for two playoffs, to a man who scored 42 points in Boston with absolutely no and body as his teammates? How dare you compare Carmelo Anthony, who scores 39 in a game six against Indiana? to a guy in Julius Randle who gets in the way of the last pass of the best. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Carmelo Anthony, as a basketball player, we can say what we want. He wasn't a superstar. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. He wasn't going to be. Carmelo Anthony came on the court every night and gave his best. Was he a little bit moody sometimes? Yes. To the extent that he sells his own teammates out the way Julius Randle has done for two playoffs. Now, before the next time you you even think to compare Julius Randle to Carmelo Anthony, let that man have a good playoff series first. I don't care about the old NBAs. I don't care about the about the all-star appearances, not when we're comparing him to Carmelo Anthony. Okay? Julius Randle. Let, how about this? If Carmelo Anthony took Julius Randle's place on this New York Knicks team, we would still be playing basketball. Oh my God. Yeah. Do not ever, Sean, ever, 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 said, ever. You are ever, not getting again. any argument from me. Sean, you want to know the player that's worse than Melo that could have been perfect on the 2013 Knicks to make him a title contender? Jalen Brunson. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Jalen Brunson at age fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Let's get back to the stove. Listen, I'm still cooking these food. Go ahead, go ahead, cook go ahead, go ahead. I cannot believe some of you would put your agenda. Like, listen, this is what we do. We all have our agendas, but to put your agenda against your own team's great basketball players is flat out stupid. Julius Randle has a very has a very long way to go before we can compare him to Carmelo Anthony because you got 82 game players and you got 16 game players. Congratulations, Julius Randle. You are an 82 game basketball player and that is very important in an Eastern Conference that is as stacked as ours. But you're not mellow. You're not mellow. And anybody who thinks you are mellow needs to be drug tested because that is an unfair... First of all, it's unfair to, to Julius Randle to expect him to be that great in those moments. What we, what we just saw from Jalen Brunson, the way he literally put us on, the way he put that jersey on and the way he put us on his back and carried the city with a great team around him that failed him, Melo, did, Melo didn't have as good, did, did not have the same level of teammates that Jalen Brunson currently has. I do believe that this Knicks team and this Knicks front office, the infrastructure around Jalen Brunson is a lot better than the infrastructure Carmelo Anthony had. I feel like we're just, I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, no. I, I, it's just, I, I said that the, this rant needed the ether soundtrack underneath the shot. Went, no, fuck like, I was like, fuck JR. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, for those who are watching, <laughs> I thought that, that I'm losing it over the the, the, the Ethan. Yeah, like, there you go. No, I, I'm, I'm really like this is something but I'm really crazy. passionate about because everything that Carmelo Anthony 
is the reason why we love Carmelo Anthony is because he was a gamer and he was a baller. And whenever he went up against some of the best basketball players, he showed up as well in the brightest of moments. Julius Randle so far is a regular season basketball player. We love Melo for regular season moments, but I respect him for what he did in the playoffs. I don't respect Julius Randle for what he's done in the playoffs. I respect him for other reasons, but we need to keep things in context. So again, for all of you fools who think that we will look back at Julius Randle the way we look back at Carmelo Anthony because of the first four seasons that Julius Randle has had in New York, I think it's been four. Yeah, it's been four because he's been here ever since um, RJ Barrett's been here. You are out of your rabid ass minds. Every single one of you. Don't compare 30 to seven. Don't do it. Stop. Fuck Jay-Z. Yo, I, I, listen, man. <laughs> listen, man. That, those two ain't shooting the same league and they don't shoot at the same basket. Like Carmelo Anthony walked into this league and was a bucket from day one. They, he made the Nuggets. The Nuggets got the third pick for a reason and they were a playoff team after year one. Like, let's like, let's not do that. Settle like settle down. Like, and if, like to be fair, if you put if you take 26-year-old Carmel Anthony and replay and like in the place of twenty oh, 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 my goodness, oh, we would still be playing basketball. And this is where the transition to XJ to wrap up. Like the comp for Mello might be Jalen Brunson from a different position, from a different um, like what they do. Brunson's obviously more efficient in the era of efficiency, but like guy that is elite on offense and unfortunately has some defensive deficiencies that the rest of the roster is going to have to to make up for. So actually, I'll let you close this out with what you got to say. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect transition because that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I think that that is the comp. Like, the comp is not Randall. The comp is Brunson. Um, a guy who can literally carry a team offensively um, unstoppable in terms of his one-on-one abilities, his ability to score the basketball. Um, obviously, Brunson's a little better passer, um, but their defensive deficiencies uh, are really what's holding them back from being like that all NBA level player. Um, I know, you know, I, I think Carmelo to me was like almost always sub all NBA. Besides, outside of a couple seasons, his best seasons, um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing as like the ceiling for Brunson, unless he can get a lot better defensively. But to me that that's, that's the comp. And, and I would go with Brunson because of intangibles of leadership. We see Brunson able to kind of elevate a team to have that aura around him to, to, to have that, that, that sense possess those qualities that you can't really put your finger on, but somehow, you know, you feel confident when he's in the game. Like, you know, we, we have a chance because Brunson's not going to quit. He's not going to let us lose. Um, I didn't feel that way with Carmelo. Uh, you know, Benji put out a great tweet saying that um, Carmelo's teams through his prime were always in the top 10 in offensive rating, basically, and oftentimes in the top three. So you know that Carmelo was an elite offensive player and a powerhouse on offense and could absolutely carry an offense on almost any team that he'd be a part of. But on the defensive end, that was not the case. You know, we saw we see a lot of ups and downs as far as defensive rating and the defensive abilities of his team. And a lot of that was on him. And and to me, like, I think I get a little bummed out about Carmelo because I felt like there was a lot more potential to than what we actually saw play out. Because 
we didn't always see the effort defensively. We didn't see the consistent effort night in and night out, the like dedication to that end of the floor. And we see that with a lot of like primary offensive players because there is an energy conservation that has to happen. You can't just like lay it out on both ends. There's very few guys who can do that for an extended period of time. It's not like, you know, and again, we're not going to blame Carmelo for not being prime LeBron. It's like, Hey, go all out on both ends for 16 games in the playoffs. Like, there aren't guys who can really do that. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think Carmelo's shape always was, you know, allowing him to, to push himself to that to that maximum. Go ahead, AC. It's, it's, it's one season. It's a lockout season because like night one again or day one against the Celtics, we all noticed it. Like, oh, you didn't think there was going to be a season. Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. Okay. There, and he just like, kind of played himself in that. You look, the numbers bear that out too. Cause it's like the one yeah. year he averaged 22 in scoring. Then he was posting pictures of himself shirtless in the gym, that whole playoffs. And I was like, all right, well, hopefully there he comes back a, good next year. And it was his year. He finished third in MVP. Have you guys seen that video where like, I think it's like LeBron and it's either CP or Wade and Mello, like all working out and uh, in, in a gym and, and, and LeBron is like kind of leading them through these like exercises. I don't know if it's like crunches or whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. They're all like going hard and Mello's kind of like half doing it and kind of like looking at them like, <laughs> y'all, y'all really going hard. <laughs> I didn't see this. Y'all it really does not shock me here. if he did though. So I'll take your word I was like, it. damn, y'all really serious out here. I, I thought we were just, I thought we were just hanging out. <laughs> um, so I, that, that is not to, you know, condemn his, I'm sure obviously to, to have that level of skill offensively, his work ethic must be insane but i think his work ethic was like as uh, to 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 refine and craft and hone his skill as an offensive player i don't know that he put that much effort into like his lateral movement defensively and defensive drills that you see guys do and and his conditioning to to that extent so you know i and that again it's not to condemn condemn him i just feel like there was meat on the bone left for Melo. I think he could have probably been a more impactful player. I'm not going to say he could have been like a better player, but I think he could have been a more impactful player with effort and kind of a diversity of what he brought to the table. But overall, obviously uh, one of the great offensive players of his generation. So nothing I could take away from him. So what if I said the better comp for him is Paul Pierce? Paul Pierce was never like a great defender and it was only when Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett got around him that they were able to like actually build a title contender. Is that a better comp for him? Fuck Paul Pierce. I agree. Fuck Paul Pierce. Is that a better comp for him? It might be, but was Pierce Pierce wasn't the best player on those championship teams or that I agree, but like one, one finals MVP doesn't mean you're the best player. I agree with you. No. So like, but is that a better comp for him? What? I love the um the clarification there. <laughs> Not those championships. Yeah, no, Not I had one to, championship I had to clarify on those that, championship yeah. teams. Yes, <laughs> on those championship teams. Look to your point about the leadership stuff. Like every teammate swears by him. I'm not going to say he was a great leader. I've I was not in a locker room. I just like every teammate swears by him. It's also really throughout history. It's the pattern has been that it's easier to be a leader from the point guard position or the center position. Cause either you're the guy that runs the offense or you're the tallest person on the team. The exceptions are like Michael Jordan, who is like this dominating force, Kobe Bryant, same thing. Um, I don't think there's a Kevin Durant example that where he was like the leader of a team at any point. And then there's like, um, 
like Larry Bird, who again, like I'm Draymond Green, (laughs) but like the leader on that. So you would argue he's like the center, though, or even like the point center at a certain point. Point is, like he anchors something. Like Kevin Garnett ends up being like their their power forward, but he anchored something. Melo was doing it from like he was the lead singer, not necessarily the manager of the band, you know. And I think that's why I've always been like, well. I can't get mad at him for like the drummer not being that good or the bass player not being that good or, you know, the other pieces not fitting well together, even if he did miss some high notes sometimes. Um, I think we do agree more than we disagree on Mel. I just don't, the pies might be a little smaller than, than like you guys might have more of a blame pie. Mel, again, Mensa and I might actually, it goes back to where we started. Like we appreciate good players that have played for us because we're not used to good players playing for us. Meanwhile, the other side, has seen Derek Jeter and Mariana Rivera and Aaron Judge and all-time greats play for their team. You know? Don't worry, Andrew. We're going to see an all-time great this season. Go Jets, baby. Okay. You're going to the Jets. I was going to say, if you're going down the Otani rabbit hole, I was about, I'm I was not about there say. with you yet, but I'd like to see it. Mensa, we're not starting this. I'm not going. No, no, no. I'm not going. Wasted my Saturday night arguing with XJ. Okay. I'm not not going down. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole, especially when you overpay for Otani, which is going to be a ridiculous contract. But yeah, we'll. Not doing it. Not not going down. Not going down that. What is the salary cap? Exactly. Like it's just money at a certain point, but whatever. Anyway, um, did we do the conversation justice? I think, I think so. so. There I are some so. things. Totally. There are some things I will get into on Casual Friday After Dark um, that will never see the light of air, that will never see. <laughs> okay. Air. Yeah. Like that's some, uh, <laughs> some. Um. Some. I have some. I have some thoughts, but that will in. I have other thoughts, but um, this is being promoted on Twitter.com where context and nuance is already at all time low, and I do not like. I'm gonna get fried for this episode, and I don't care. I think there are more thing. people that agree with you than disagree. With yeah, you. I don't think so, Sean. There's a lot of Yankee so. fans out there, bro. I'm telling <laughs> no, but you. No, people are gonna no people are gonna fry me. Whatever, that's fine. I don't, I don't care. Um, but listen, I can fry. I can say all those things about Carmelo Anthony because Carmelo Anthony is responsible for the greatest sporting moment of my life. The two thousand. See, he's right there for the like right there. That's him so at the bottom. For of those the listening he, to the podcast, up, I'm, I'm holding up. Uh, a frame copy of the Syracuse Post standard from April 8th, 2003. It says champs. We won a national title. So I can be as um, uh, uh, critical as I want about Carmel Anthony because I love Carmel Anthony because he gave me this. And the only thing that will ever top this is when it doesn't say post standard, but it says New York Times and the orange jersey is a blue jersey with a New York logo on it. That's the only thing at top of it. But Carmelo Anthony, peace to you, number 15 and number seven, your Hall of Famer. You're walking into you're walking to the Hall of Fame. Number 30 isn't going to, which is fine also. We respect you. I have as you as a basketball player, like the the, the like your performance on the court is like. Let like let's be real. Like there will be it's gonna be a long time before we see another Carmelo Anthony, if ever. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Nick's Film School Casual Friday with your favorite casual podcasters. I am Mensa. That is XJ. And we also have Sean with the W here. And of course, GMAC, Andrew Claudio. But before we get out of here, we just want to give a very special, special, special thank you to one uh, Jessica Elsner, who runs the Nick's Film School Discord. Um, we shouted out literally everybody last week, but because personally, I don't really, I'm not really in the discord. I guess it must've slipped my mind, but even so it was a terrible mishap on our part. And we just wanted to give Jess her own moment because she's every bit a part of the Knicks film school family and a big part of what we do here. And of course we just wanted to, you know, spin the block in a positive manner and say, thank you, Jessica. We appreciate you as well. Thanks, Jess. We really appreciate you, of course. Yes. Thank you, Jess. We appreciate you, especially not only moderating the Discord, but moderating um, the post-game uh, chats, which can get a little spicy. And by a little spicy, I mean they get downright disgusting at times. I'm not going to say it all day. So, um, again, terrible error on our part. We appreciate you, and thank you for all you've done for us this season. Now sign off on the podcast. Uh, Sean, I thought Mets was going to do it. (laughs) Sean, you're better. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, Three, two. (laughs) Yeah, give me a second. No, we're leaving all this in. We're leaving all this in. You know what? Leave it all in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another edition of Casual Friday. We do this every week, usually every Thursday, Uh, which leads to an every Friday. Uh, My thanks to Sean, XJ, and Mensa, as always, because I didn't get to thank them last week because I wasn't here last week. You guys are the rookies of the year. You've been outstanding. And just on a on a professional note and on a personal note, I have enjoyed getting to work and know you throughout the last, uh, I guess, seven months of Knicks basketball. And I'm looking forward to infinity and beyond creating incredible content with you and strengthening good relationships with you. Uh, to those of you listening, if you dig the show, iTunes, five stars and a review really helps out the show. If you're watching, subscribe to these beautiful faces so we can get all the content. And I just learned this. I don't know why I've been on YouTube for three years. I didn't know this. Hit the alert button so you're notified every time Nick's Film School posts a new thing on the feed. Uh, We'll be back next week, potentially with another debate uh, with somebody else joining the casuals to talk about um, some off-season conversations. That should be fun. But until then, for Sean, XJ, Mensa, and me, GMAC, thank you for tuning in. Nick's Nation, let's ride. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.